those millions of people are doing all over the country. Ask for Schlitz, the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Schlitz tastes so good to so many people that it's the largest selling beer in America. It has to be fine to be first. And now, the Halls of Ivy. I'm a brave girl. Well, this will be no test of your courage. He told me he was off his golf game. Oh, that. <laughs> uh, my dear girl, don't uh, don't dismiss a serious matter so casually. Do you realize what it must mean for a surgeon to develop a bad slice? Taunting. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say about me? Oh, about you. He was most complimentary. It seems that you are the most beautiful patient he has seen this week. And he deeply regrets the fact that further house calls will be unnecessary. He spoke of these things, Vicky, with a gleam in his eyes, which I interpreted as a hope for the relapse and a further need for his services at $10 a visit, <laughs> and which I am sure he would be glad to waive for the yeah, sheer pleasure. All right, of... all right, all right. But I'm really not in a dangerous condition. No, except for virus X. Virus X, X, unknown quantity. I don't like that. I'd feel better about it if I had something they know more about. Virus X. That sounds like an excuse to dodge the housework. Oh, it's real enough, Vicky. But virus is an ugly word. The French and Italians were much more imaginative and descriptive. La grip suggested that something was gripping the victim's throat. While influenza, which means flowing in, it had a vivid and vaporous feeling about it. Uh, you know, I've always believed that medical scientists would do better to collaborate with the poets. Take John Milton's demoniac frenzy. Moping melancholy and moonstruck madness. Pining atrophy. Marasmus and wide-wasting pestilence. No, I'll take Marasmus. What is it? <laughs> well, that's a melodious-sounding malady, meaning the wasting of health and strength. Uh, what inedible bottle Dr. Hempstead left? Uh, Chloromycetin, one of the wonder drugs. Uh, well, I'm a hot toddy type myself. <laughs> if you'll excuse the expression, it's very apt, you know. Mm -hmm. Apt. 
the Latin aptus, meaning having an habitual tendency. Yeah, that's me. Mm -hmm. That's I. Yeah, well, all right, then. It's us. Or is it we? <laughs> no, no, go on. Where, where was I? Well, you were apt. Also, you were talking about chloroform. That chloromycetin. Oh. Now, here's a glass. Here we are. Take two now. Oh. Courage. Well, how was it? Nothing. <laughs> it certainly didn't taste like nine dollars and a half. Oh, what does? Ooh, good pied mignon or breast of guinea hen under glass. Or... Oh, what about dinner, Toddy? Dinner? Well, I think you should be on what is known as a bland diet. Bland? That's a, a medical term meaning innocuous, unpalatable, flavorless. And in such semi-fluid form as to be carried upstairs with the utmost difficulty and spilled on the bed jacket with ridiculous ease. <laughs> <laughs> I meant your dear. I would have to get sick when Crawford on her vacation. Darling, I know how complicated it is with strangers in the house. But we'd better call someone in for a couple of days. Oh, that won't be necessary. What is there to do? Well, that is, I mean, for a couple of days, of course. Merely a matter of preparing a few light meals and dusting off a few things. Yes, but you won't have time to do your dusting if you've got to run your university. Oh, yes, I will. If I get started and you get upstairs to bed. Well, don't think I'm quibbling, but didn't Dr. Hempstead say I should remain stationary after taking these pills? If I should go upstairs now, it could counteract the whole effect. Why do you could risk that shorter journey? Yeah, so why don't I just lie down here on the sofa? I'm quite comfortable. And I'd feel much happier if I can occasionally see you passing to and fro with your mop and apron. <laughs> Very well, ma'am. I'll be back in a moment with cleaning cloth and in my prettiest house dress. <laughs> dust I am, and to dust I shall return. <laughs> Send over a pound of butter, will you? Some bouillon cubes, and then I think a dozen cans of orange juice, half dozen cans of grapefruit juice, three cans of pineapple juice. Daddy! Uh, excuse me a minute. Uh, what's that, Vicky? How my string beans are today? Oh, yes. Uh, Mrs. Hall wants to know how are your string beans today? I see. Well, uh, I think that'll be all, uh, if you could deliver it before five. Thanks. Goodbye. Well, how were the string beans? Uh, all string and no beans. <laughs> <laughs> and he said it was very kind of Mrs. Hall to ask. <laughs> uh, well, I can check the groceries off my list. I think it's four o'clock already. Where did the afternoon go to? <laughs> that darling is every housewife's theme song. Work, work, work since the crack of dawn. Where, oh, where has my afternoon gone? <laughs> if I were to continue in domestic work, I think I should organize a strong union. And as president of Local 247, I'd strike for longer cords on the vacuum cleaner and shorter rugs to roll up. Hmm. <laughs> and then to catch up on your laundry, you could iron while the strike was hot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't have my new union infiltrated by that. <laughs> hello? This is Dr. Hall speaking. Oh, hello, Mr. Wellman. Yes, but... Yes, but... We... No, but... 
Well, we could discuss this at the next Board of Governors meeting, but... Yes, I understand why you feel that way, but... Yes, goodbye, Mr. Wellman. Dear Mr. Wellman, his favorite form of exercise is running to you with complaints. Leave it to Wellman, worrying about next year's budget already. He says he sees invisible handwriting on the wall and he wants us to pull in our belts. <laughs> Thereby corrupting a hallowed biblical reference and abusing a tired old cliche. <laughs> I knew his birthday. I presented him with a mixing machine for metaphors. Mm. <laughs> I think he has another attack of economitis. Yes, he wants to chop up the whole maintenance department. Slice off a few cooks from the commissary and uproot a couple of undergardeners. Mr. Wellman has a recurring budget complex. Or to draw it a bit finer, a nickel neurosis. Mm, complex neurosis. You know, Tony, I'm always a bit lost at parties when people begin this psychology business. What is a neurosis, exactly? In psychology, my darling, there is no such thing as exactly. Uh, the study of human mental functions is hedged about by maybes, probablys, possiblys, and we believe. Mm. Well, I know, but what do you think? Because your definition of a neurosis would be good enough for me. Well, roughly, I would say that it's a mental aberration in some specific direction. Now, a compulsion neurosis, for instance, that's the quirk that makes you avoid stepping on the cracks on the sidewalk. Or, or makes you touch every third picket in a picket fence. Yeah, or throw a pinch of salt over your shoulder if you spill some. Exactly. I believe that many of our day-to-day -day attempts to avert fancy disaster are compulsion neuroses. The real basis of many superstitions. Like walking around a ladder when going beneath it would be quicker, easier, and just as safe. Oh, I'm glad I'm not a victim of these primitive fantasies. Not wood? Not wood. <laughs> that uh, takes care of the neurosis in a muddy sort of a way. Now, what's an inhibition? Darling, I'm a man who tries never to be without an answer, no matter how wrong it might be. <laughs> so I would say that an inhibition is the, the brake lining on an impulse. When the lining wears thin, you are known as good old Cornelius, the life of the party. And when it gives out completely, you get your face slapped, get shot, or go to jail. <laughs> and now, having, uh, <laughs> having set abnormal psychology back some hundred years, I'll go do the dishes. Yep. I'd feel much better if you'd sit down for a minute, take off your apron, put up your feet, and relax. You haven't stopped since Dr. Hampstead left. Oh, my dear, I don't stop now. I've got up my momentum, and I don't want to lose it. Well, what would the Board of Governors say if the President of Ivy turned up at the next meeting with housemaid me? Well, I can't help it, Vicky. I have some work to do in the kitchen. Now, where do you keep your large bowl? Are you looking for a flower bowl? How did you guess? You're going to cut some roses, and you'll need a flower bowl. Oh, you didn't guess. Well, never mind. I'll find it myself. Flower bowl? Oh, that kind of flower bowl. Oh, brother. <laughs> it's the wrong cabinet, Toddy. You'll find it in the upper left-hand... What did you say, Vicky? Well, I hate to ask you to stop what you're doing. I've already dropped what I was doing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I heard. There's somebody at the door. Yes, I know, dear. I heard. I'll go. Yeah, well, you better take off your apron first, Bertha. Why? <laughs> I'll tell whoever it is that I'm not at home. <laughs> oh, Mr. Merriweather. The face is familiar, but I don't recognize the costume. 
I hope I'm not bursting in on a rehearsal of Charlie's Aunt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the new upstairs maid. Oh. Well, come in, John. Come in. Yeah, I won't stay, Doc. I just wanted to drop these flowers off for Mrs. Hall. How's she feeling? Oh, much better, but uh, how did you know she was ill? Dr. Hemsted was talking about his golf game falling off. Well, he told me that, too. He told me that he told you. That, of course, led me to ask when and where, and he said here at your house, and I said a professional visit Dr. Hampstead, and he said yes, and I said who's sick. It's a very accurate summary of a very dull conversation. Well, I, I hope it's nothing serious. Or oh, it seems to be a slight case of virus X, whatever that means. Uh, at any rate, Victoria will have to take it easy for a couple of days. Daddy, do I tell Mr. Merriweather? You do, Mrs. Hall, and my apologies if I've disturbed you. You mind a visitor? Not if you don't mind virus X. I not only don't mind it, I don't even believe in it. Besides, I've already had it three times. How do you feel? Well, slightly remote, as though I were looking at myself through the wrong end of a telescope. Well, I brought you a bouquet of roses. Oh, thank you. They're lovely. Give them to me, John. I'll put them in something. Where will I find something, Victoria? <laughs> in the pantry, the top shelf, the left-hand side, flower bars. Thank you. Excuse me for a few minutes, will you? I've got to finish something I started in the kitchen, if you don't mind entertaining my wife. Mind? Are you crazy, Doc? Get going. <laughs> Top shelf, left-hand side, pantry. Yeah, poor William. He's had his hands full today. Ah, a rare specimen. A domesticated university president. <laughs> and uh, not too domesticated. Well, he's only temporary. I'm letting him go the minute I get up. Get an A for effort. You know, he's out there cooking something for me. It's supposed to be a surprise, but I think I. Oh, don't bother, William. I've got it. Hello? Oh, yes. Well, just a moment, please. I'm sorry, William. It's long distance. Professor Leslie. You better take it. Professor Leslie? Oh, thank you, Vicky. That's my chess game. Yes, this is Dr. Hall speaking. Hello, Professor. Glad to hear from you. Finally figured a way to get out of my trap, eh? Well, let's have it. Uh-huh. Now, here's my next move. Knight to the Queen's Bishop second and check. Oh, oh, oh. Now, 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 I'm sorry, but you have to excuse me, Professor. This is Knight's Cookout. I, I mean, Cook's Night Out. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm baking a cake. You, you know, in the oven. Yes, I know. Sounds confusing, and so am I. Well, uh, call me anytime. Goodbye. A cake. <clears throat> Vicky, in the excitement of the moment, I gave away my secret. I was going to surprise you with a cake. Well, I'm sure it'll still be a surprise. <laughs> it's very sweet of you, darling. Is the rest of dinner going to be a surprise, too? Dinner? Oh, Yes, well, as a matter of fact, I hadn't reached that item in my schedule yet. Well, say, what about me helping you out? Oh, that won't be necessary, John. Thank you anyway. Well, I guess I'll have to give you a broader hint. I'd like an invitation for dinner. On one condition, that is, that I help cook it. You see, I'm a specialist with a spatula. Until I first made shortening bread, Mammy's little baby hated the stuff. <laughs> We'd love to have 
Gilbert. What about Mrs. Merriweather? Oh, she'll be delighted. She's on another diet. She gets embarrassed when she has to watch me dig into a side of beef while she nibbles at her watercress. <laughs> Let her work on her girlish figure. You and I will lay out a middle-aged spring. <laughs> Mr. Merriweather, you're hired. Come on. In the immortal words of Bulwer-Lytton, we may live without poetry, music, and art. We may live without conscience and live without heart. We may live without friends. We may live without books. But civilized man cannot live without cooks. Thank you. 
Well, it should. It's our second try. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time we mistook the red pepper for the nutmeg. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, darling. It's almost eight o'clock, and you've been a very patient patient. Well, I just had another pill. I've been a feeling, you know. <laughs> I don't mind telling you that the rumor that a cook always loses his appetite is a lie. Although I will concede that perhaps I'm only a half a cook. Now, speaking for the second half, I think I'm ready for a second helping. But on second thought, perhaps I'd better wait until I've tried the first. <laughs> you did a beautiful job setting the table. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Merriweather. Yes, you did. Uh-oh. Forgot to call it. Thank you, thank you. Hello, Bunny. I'm sorry I didn't call, but Dr. Hall and I are cooking the dinner. Well, no reason to get ugly. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. Yes, yes. All right, sweetie. Bye. Ah, wonderful girl, Mrs. Merriweather. Or was. Wonderful woman now. <laughs> she made me promise that I'd taste everything before you eat it. <laughs> well, it's high time we all tasted something. But, uh, but you know, I think we need more light. I know. I'll move the piano lamp closer to the table. Then I can start bringing in the soup. You'll find the crackers in the oven drawer, Mr. Merriweather. Now, if this cord is long enough, it'll just reach... No, it won't. Oh, well, Charlie, what happened? Something electrical, darling. <laughs> A short, I think. I've been planning to fix that plug for weeks. Hey, hey, the light. Where are you? The line, as I remember it, is where were you when the light went out? I was in the kitchen. I've got the soup. Where's the table? Well, might I suggest that you gently deposit the soup in some safe place for the moment? I'll have to put in a new fuse. Uh, where are the fuses, Vicky? I don't know, Tony, but we could eat by candlelight, and the candles were in the middle drawer of the pantry. Well, then all we have to do is find the pantry. <laughs> you take the high road, Doc. I'll take the low road, and I'll be in the pantry sometime. Now, where's the phone? Well, it's been <laughs> right beside me all day. Well, you gave it to me, Mrs. Hall, when I talked to my wife. What did I do with it? Well, I'm, I'm sure you gave it back to me. Oh, oh, I remember. I put it on the coffee table. If you can remember where you put the coffee table. <laughs> oh, that's easy. I'm sitting on it. <laughs> ah, here. Here's the phone. Hello, this is Dr. Hall. Oh, it's you, Mr. Wellman. Timing never fails. It's always wrong. I'm sorry, Mr. Wellman, but please cut down on electricians. Mr. Wellman, I just blew a fuse. No, 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 it's nothing personal, but, but at the moment, benighted and prejudiced as I may be, I don't see your point at all. In the first place, I refuse to accept the proposition that we have to cut the budget. Crisis? Well, if we hold the line in education, perhaps there will be less crisis. Mr. Wellman, a university cannot exist unless it has electricians to light it, cooks to feed it, gardeners to water it, and trustees to stop fiddling with it. Education is the backbone of this country, Mr. Wellman, and we better not administer any spinal anesthesia until we're short of a diagnosis. Good night.
I figured that Clarence was tackling the problem from the wrong angle again. Why not try to meet the budget before you start cutting it? By the time we put the casserole in the oven, I... Casserole! <laughs> too late. Too bad. Two eggs, sunny side up. <laughs> Between you and Mr. Merriweather and the chlorophyll. It's my seat in, Vicky. Yeah, well, between you and Mr. Merriweather and my seat in, I feel much better. Well, that makes me feel much, much happier. Though I'm much, much tired. Marasmus, darling. Uh, what? Well, you remember the wasting of health and strength. Oh, not wasted. After taking a full course in domestic economy, I have gained a new understanding of departmental interdependence. Meaning what, darling? Well, meaning that the day's experience gave me an answer to Mr. Wellman's urge for economy. What's the answer? The answer is, if education has become more expensive, meet the expense. Nothing is as costly as ignorance. To quote a, a minor contemporary philosopher, let not the seeming urgencies of bookkeeping keep us from keeping our books. Very sensible. Who is the minor contemporary philosopher? Uh, uh, that eminent educator and past master chef, William Tudhunter Hall. More coffee, darling? When you think of beer, think of this. Blitz tastes so good to so many people, it's the largest selling beer in America. Here's the great guilt.